Hi, and welcome to the Rolled Stone. Today's episode is episode 10. We're going to be talking about two trees, fruits, and flaming swords. Oh my. Please sit back and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Rolled Stone. Today's episode is called Trees, Fruits, and Flaming Swords. Oh my. So what prompted this podcast was I was sitting in my small group, and a person asked a very simple question. Why the two trees? Why did God put the tree of knowing good and bad or evil, depending upon your translation, in the garden? It doesn't make sense. So, of course, I started thinking, why did he put the two trees in there? I mean, a tree of life makes complete sense. The one that has knowledge, one that we cannot eat from, with its juicy fruit, not the gum, just sitting there like a giant temptation. And all was good until, I mean, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the story. The serpent shows up, talks a little talk, Eve eats of it, gives it to Adam. God finds them, asks what they've done. They lie. They fess up. Adam throws God and Eve under the bus. Eve follows Adam's example and blames the serpent. and God evicts them. But not only that, he puts a cherubim with a flaming sword at the gate to guard it. Now remember, cherubim are not the baby little faced angels with adorable little bows. They're absolutely terrifying thing to behold. And they're God's throne guardians. So that tells you that he is very serious about this. And he is very serious about protecting the trees from humanity. Specifically, the tree of life after the fall. So this goes back to the original question. Why two trees? Why put it there at all and have it be used as a temptation against Adam and Eve? This last question is the one that is brought up as some sort of argument against God. That because of this one tree, it was him who brought evil into the world from the beginning. That if that tree was not there, everything would be fine. So it was God's fault all along that this happened. And they smile at you all you know, smugly and like, ha, I got you. Well, guess what? That statement is wrong. The thing is, folks, making surface arguments like this when it comes to anything, especially something as intricate and subtle as Genesis, is just wrong. And I can see how someone would come to that conclusion. I, I get it. But to maintain that stance, you need to ignore all the other evidence to the contrary. The fault clearly lands at the feet of his creation. So to wrap our brain around this, I think what we need to do first is understand what evil is. Okay, so first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to define it according to Merriam-Webster. And then we're going to go into the uh, Strong's definition. So the first thing we're going to do is Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster defines this as something that is morally reprehensible, like an action or an impulse, or arising from actual or imputed bad character or conduct. The last one could be like an evil reputation. Second definition is causing discomfort or repulsion, like an evil odor or being disagreeable. An example would be someone has an evil temper. Number three is causing harm. Something like the institution of slavery is evil are marked by misfortune, being unlucky. So now we have the modern day version. Let's roll over to the uh, biblical world and see what Strong's has to say. So first thing they say is it's bad, evil, disagreeable, malignant. It's unpleasant, giving pain and unhappiness, misery, displeasing, bad, worse than worse, unhappy, sad unkind, wicked, stress, adversity, injury, wrong. Uh, they talk about evil being unethical in your works and your thoughts. So not very helpful. Until you realize that this is from a root word, ra'ah. And I hope I pronounced that right, which can be found in Strong's H7489. And they say that this is to be bad, evil, displeasing, sad, injurious, wicked, 
to do injury or hurt, to do evil or wickedness, mischief, to break or shatter, to break apart, broken, to be broke, to be broken, be broken in pieces, be broken asunder. So these definitions describe what we would call evil. I think the takeaway here, though, is the breaking or shattering are to be broken asunder. Deeds and actions and all the ethical decisions are that are wrapped up into that. So why these? Didn't we already say that God created evil by putting the tree in the garden? Remember, I also said that that was wrong. And we'll get to that point within these definitions in a minute. But this is the idea that God created evil is just absolutely wrong. Okay? Genesis 1, 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So that is important. That he said that everything was very good. Because why would he say that everything was very good if something was, well, evil? Like that tree is made out to be. Okay, so this comes from the Apologetics Press, from their article, Why Did God Create the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil? And this will be in my show notes. And the reason the author of this article, Moises Pinedo, brings this up is real simple. His creation very good if there was something evil in the creation. He could not call it very good if it wasn't. But but the tree, yeah, we get it. The tree's there. We understand that. So one thing you have to remember that this was the tree of knowing good and evil, not the tree of good and evil. So context matters. So the tree was put there for a reason, several in fact. The first reason is just simply a choice, a choice to follow God and a choice to question his command or not. Some would say, well, what kind of choice is that? Well, it's a very fair choice. If you go to this tree and you eat of this tree, you will die. But if you don't eat of this tree and you listen to me, everything's going to be fine. Okay, a parent telling their child not to touch a hot stove because it will burn them and then, and then they disobey and touch it, well, the consequence is that they burn their hand. This is a similar situation. Don't eat of this particular tree's fruit and you will die. Then in comes the serpent in a few words and bam, consequence. And God did not want robots. He wanted humans to make the choice to love him as he loves us. That was the choice. That is the reason for free will. Make a choice. Choose to love God or not. This is where the definitions come in. Once the fruit was eaten and God confronted Adam and Eve, and let's take a moment here to realize that Adam just throws everyone under the bus. He literally says in Genesis 3.12, and I quote, The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, well, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. So he's telling the truth in a way. But also think, in my opinion, he's blaming God and Eve. And then Eve tells God it was the serpent's fault for deceiving her. Bottom line is, they both knew not to eat of it, and they did. So it's their own fault. But before this, everything was great. They had abundance of other trees and things to eat. They were innocent of the concept of evil. It was bliss. Once they consumed the fruit of the tree of knowing good and evil, they shattered God's trust, allowed evil to be brought in, not by an understanding, but by an ethical breach of God's command, a physical breaking of the trust between them. They participated in an act of evil in the direct opposition of God. There are two ways to know evil. One is the intellectual understanding of it, which some authors suggest they would have learned from God if he was able to get that far. The other way is to participate in it, which they did by opposing God, listening to something that was not God, and therefore reaping the consequences of their actions. Even the serpent was punished for its transgressions, for it knew exactly what it was doing. Adam and Eve were also punished and banished from the garden, 
and a cherubim, a flaming sword, were put there to stop anyone from entering in again. So, wow, that was a lot there. And there's a few more thoughts. God put the tree of knowing good and evil in the midst of the garden in a place that it could not be mistaken. In addition, besides all the other trees, he put the tree of life. He literally put the choices before them. Eat of any of these trees, including the tree of life, and you will live in harmony with the creator. Eat of the one tree, the tree of knowing good and evil, and you will die. There will be consequences, a punishment. But here's the amazing part. We are not without hope. God has always given us hope. And he is still standing there with the same choice he gave Adam and Eve to use your free will to make a simple decision to choose God and give your life over to him, to know his son so you can dwell within his kingdom and live eternally, or decide that you know better than God and continue to eat the fruit from the wrong tree and therefore face the consequences of that action. So with this, I will close with Moses speaking to the people of God, not his people, but of all the people of God for the generations to come. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is from Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. So even now, we know the choice is clear. So I guess my question to you is, what will you choose? I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast on The Rolled Stone. Once again, if you have any questions, please submit them to theroldstone at outlook.com. I look forward to hearing from you and hope that you continue this journey with God and Jesus along beside us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.